Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on Earth. It's time to do your part. Hello, everybody, loyal viewers and new alike. Uh, it's been a while. Yes, we took a little bit of a hiatus. At least I did. A needed one, and now I'm back in full swing. And uh, today we're switching things up just a little bit. So you would think that these two are my guests, uh, but they are not. I get to be in the hot seat today. Most of you, again, that do watch or listen, you see me fighting to talk sometimes. Uh, and so now I get a chance to, again, be in the hot seat. So my sister, Erica. Hi. Schaefer, Gallio Schaefer, right? Okay. Yes. And David Leon <laughs> Reese. I know your name. So they're going to interview me. And um, thank you guys for taking time out of this day to mm -hmm. put me in the hot seat. Thank you for letting us do that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Actually, I'm not the host. Let me shut up. <laughs> Thank you. What do you want to learn today? Is there one? Is there one thing you want to learn? Uh, something I didn't know. Okay. That's that's a good goal for me because sometimes I think, oh, I know everything about you. That's. You, but I know I don't really. Well, yeah. Well, so here's what I think we should start. I think um, as I was just saying to Brian before we started, let's start at the very beginning, right? And walk us all the way up to how you got to where you are today, right? So I know when you ask, when, when I hear people ask you where you're from, mm -hmm. you always say Bay Area, Rohnert Park. Uh -huh. But the truth is you weren't born there. So let's go back to where you were born and mm -hmm. walk me up to now. Okay, so I was born in uh, Davis, California. Uh, go Aggies. My mother was uh, a student at UC Davis at the time. Um, I'm going to try not to look to you too much for nods of approval. Um, so born in Davis. And lived there till I was about seven or eight. And I remember some memories, uh, some scary memories and some good, but some of the scary ones are what moved us to Sonoma County, which was about an hour and a half west of Sacramento area. Uh, and that's where mom raised the two of us till I was about 18, uh, living in a house and then in an apartment where I think that was the longest my mother had ever lived in one place, Joanne Court, for... Yeah, until my until I was eighteen. So, okay, that's kind of where I was living, uh, and I've always been living in the Bay Area uh, okay. until I moved to Southern California. Okay, so eighteen, you're in the Bay Area. Then what? Then I um, I had first moved to Southern California when I was eighteen uh, to dance for Soul Train. Um, I had a big sister besides Erica. She was busy. We've we've always been close enough, but she was she's been just old enough to where I wasn't. She wasn't really there every day, right? Right. So through a lot of my teens, I had the kind of big brothers and big sisters. My big sister, Tyra, lived in Long Beach, said, come down here. I know you're 18. I know you want to be a dancer. I know you want to do all this. Moved down there, and I lasted about six months. Um, and I got scouted. That's where I got scouted for Soul Trade. But I didn't work out living with her. She had a lot of judgments towards my life, and I was really struggling trying to adjust without having my family and friends near. So, uh, yeah, I moved back to Sonoma County okay. and lived there till I was 21. Then me and Allie, who you know, we moved down to Hollywood where we stayed uh, and I haven't looked back since-ish, right? And so what were you doing? So when the dancing thing didn't work out, what, what kind of career choices did you make or how did you support yourself? So always food and beverage. So my first real jobs were working in restaurants. Uh, so from Olive Garden to uh, like hometown burger joints, like Boomers and Roner Park, uh, me and Allie and a group of friends worked at Outback Steakhouse transferred without back and then we would make the commute from hollywood to arcadia so i some of you that know southern california that's a serious commute just for outback but uh we did that for about two years Allie did it for about six years 
and I worked in food and beverage. Uh, that was what I did. I moved down to Southern California to really a attack a career in entertainment. And I got a little distracted. Uh, my mom passed away. Our mom passed away when I was 24. You know, life happened. Uh, but food and beverage is how I paid the bills. Mm -hmm. So now when I met you, you were involved in a restaurant in Pasadena, Rhythm yeah. and Blues. Yeah. So you were part owner of that, correct? I was. I was. My buddy Andre, I'm, maybe he's listening or watching. Very, He's like a brother to me. Um, I met him when I had first moved to L.A., working for Outback. We became fast friends. And... Um, <clears throat> He always had a very savvy business mind. He's a few years older than me. He said, let's all partner up. I, mean, I worked through Sweat Equity, right? And uh, we opened up Red, White & Blues, which was a fine dining establishment, uh, really French-American cuisine, live music, seven nights a week, and wine and full bar, 7,000 square feet. And that's where I became, <clears throat> I was vetted to be the GM, but uh, I quickly moved into the role of Mater D. That was more my strong point, was dealing with the people, not so much the staff. So then, yeah, I worked as a mater d slash uh, managing partner of Red, White, and Blues for six years, from 26 to 32. Um, and then yeah. I moved, hold on, just, yeah, and then like a year passed and I moved here. Okay, I was just going to say, so what brought you to the desert? So my ex and I, we were living long distance for the majority of our relationship. Um, I was living in Southern California, plugging away in food and beverage. He was living in the Bay Area, plugging away um, in real estate development, what he was doing. And then finally, after well over a decade of being together, it was time to kind of, you know, shit it off the pot. So we decided to move to Southern California and invest in business together, uh, as well as um, coexist together. Okay. <laughs> I remember, now I'm thinking about the questions you asked me earlier, and I guess I don't really regret that because I we wouldn't have, I'm glad I'm here today. So everything happens for a reason. I took a little left turn there, but yeah. So that's what brought me to the desert was my ex and trying to kind of, um, step in, slide into an adult relationship, mm -hmm. a more adult relationship. With so what did you do here? So I invited my sister out um, and her family um, and, and my ex and his family. We uh, kind of all got together. We had a small bar and grill in Palm Springs, which was mainly known for karaoke and obviously alcohol and good food. And then we also, uh, we renovated, he did the bulk of the work on that, renovated a 32-room boutique hotel here in Palm Springs. This must be boring for you guys because you know all this already. Well, yes, but hearing your take on it is a little bit different. Okay, all right. Maybe you've learned something new about me already. All right, so uh, that's, what we, that's what we were doing. Uh, okay. Working in food and beverage. And then, um, and then yeah, and then, go ahead. Well, as I say, and th but then you walked away from that. Totally. So... I actually love this story because it's one of those things where it's like timing. It is all about who you know. Um, you have to, it, it, closed mouths don't get fed. My mom taught me that at a young age. So I was, uh, when I had moved down here, I had worked in PR a little bit. Excuse me. I had worked with a PR rep a little bit and I told him I want to host stuff. I had hosted stuff in Pasadena. I worked for Pasadena Entertainment. I got my wheels wet speaking in front of 3,500 people. I froze. It was awful. I got off stage. I was scared to go back, but I did it, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, I was emceeing an event on Arenas here in Palm Springs, and then I looked down and saw you. See, I think you remember it differently. Maybe I remember it differently. Actually, if I looked down and saw you, then we didn't speak automatically because I was still speaking. So you do remember it right. Anyway, saw you. Hadn't seen you in ages. Mm -mm. You were living here already. Or you had just moved here. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, long story short, he and I reconnected, and I had this karaoke bar, 
we talked about kind of co-brand, co-promoting an event. The winners of the, the uh, competition could go sing for The Voice. Um, what, are they, what would you call them? The guy, the people of The Voice? Yeah. Judges. 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 Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and then, yeah, so we, you guys came out with a camera crew. We shot for three weeks. Just to, just to add, I was a news director of the TV station here in Palm Springs, NBC. Yeah. So that's, so that's how, so we, we actually needed a bar to do this contest we wanted to do. And we, it was a karaoke contest, essentially. It was a singing contest to tie into The Voice because we were NBC. So when I realized that you had a karaoke bar yeah. in Palm Springs, I'm like, hey. I thought he was walking by on the strip as like so many people do and you were doing karaoke and you guys were like what uh-uh. no 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 okay. no, no, no it was no. totally pre-planned yeah yeah and it was obviously your idea that came out of nowhere yeah and it was exciting for us at the bar because we got like it was big yeah we got like some attention on from the news for three weeks straight yeah like people got to kind of know me a little bit and then you were the judges i was one of the judges and i wasn't yeah. scared right i was yeah. not scared i was the simon cowell yes you were i, I remember that no regrets uh, with that but um and then you know everything happened so fast right i then you asked me about a week and a half later you're like hey i need bodies to kind of wave at a cam for a promo mm-hmm. And so I grabbed you and Ethan and Cassie and mm-hmm. Jessica. I grabbed the whole coconut crew. That's when I. That's when I feel like I met you. It is. I think so. I think that's when you and I met. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you met Jenna that day. You mm-hmm. met everybody. I met everybody. Right? Mm-hmm. At least yeah. all the girls. I don't think Jessica came with us. It was just me and Jenna and Brian. Really? And Ethan. I still have it in my phone. I don't remember, but I just remember you guys all showed up at the TV station, which is what yeah. we needed. So I think Jessica yeah. was there. And then we went to go do a little. Um, we oh, got right. we did we anchored we did like our sim- simulated anchor yes. yeah 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 and we took shots outside yeah. yeah yeah and it was all very interesting because it was all new to me I had never been in a newsroom but I remember outside we were chatting and then I asked you what it takes to work in news and you were like well you need to be you know you have to be a journalist and you have to kind of be accredited but you can come in here if you got talent if you want to come in here and work on green screen you can make your own reel and then maybe just maybe somebody in like upstate new york or you know mississippi (laughs) might say hey we can work with him right that's kind of what that was kind of what you're offering so that's what i did so for three months i would go in wednesday thursday friday between shows when the place was virtually empty and i would practice and then i'd record and then the girl that worked the woman rather that worked there you guys only had two people on staff and she was like, I need a vacation really bad, and you're going to cover for me in the mornings. You know, Sumana. Yes. Right. Yes. So I was I like, am I? And she's like, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> talking like, about weather. Sumata was the morning weathercaster, mm-hmm. and we had just launched weather at the station. The station's weather had been done by remotely, and so we had wanted to do it in-house. And so, yeah, it was just Sumana. And Jeff in the evenings. And Jeff at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, cool. If you think, if you, think you can make that happen, whatever. And I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Long story short... She took a vacation. I covered for her. And then either the first or second weekend of me work, no, I was working mornings. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of those shifts in the morning, I remember so crazy. He walks in and he goes like this. Like, you're so funny too. Because you were, I could tell you were excited. He could like really big and goes like that. And I was like, is this, does this sound right so far? Yeah. And I was like, and then it was an email from the COO of the broadcasting station, broadcasting company, who said, who is this? We want him for, or who is this? And then you got, but then basically they wanted me for weekends, so they hired me. So then the GM was like, we like him, let's roll with it. And then everything happened very quickly, right? Yeah. I was a weekend weatherman for about eight months, and then you guys mm-hmm. offered me Desert Living, which was the mm-hmm. lifestyle show that I hosted, which aired five days a week. And then... Um, 
Sumata left for good. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of weaseled my way into the full morning show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I've been working in news ever since. So it's been about five years. Obviously, I was furloughed this past year. Uh, but it's, I, was started, I was working in news and getting up at like 3, Ooh. 3.30 in the morning. 3, 3.30 in the morning. Those are hard morning. hours. It for was anybody. weird. Yeah. Especially for like you. Like everybody knew that you who used to not even go to bed until the sun almost came up. Yeah. You were like, look, y'all, I got to be in bed by 8 o'clock. Yeah. You need to leave. And I need some wind down time. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. More like 7. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And I did have those bar hours. <clears throat> so I, mm-hmm. on average, I didn't go to bed. I was programmed to go to sleep probably between 4 and 6. Um, Which is I, the time you have to be on TV. Right. When you do right. mornings. <clears throat> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I was so, I was like, I remembered this too. I had tickets for Burning Man. Me and Stuart had tickets for Burning Man. We had our RV rented. Mm. We had our bikes already. Everything, we were ready to go. And then you called me and you were like, uh, you, basically you got to be here for weekends because you're hired for weekends. And so I was like, no, I'm sorry. I got that confused. I had actually, was supposed to go to Burning Man before you offered me the weekend position. Anyway, fast forward and, um, yeah, the morning shows were rough. But but it, my point is I sprung out of bed. Sprung out of bed <laughs> because I was so excited. I was so excited. I mean, every moment of it was just, it was great. And I, and I loved it. The end, was a little, the end got weird just because despite all the other stuff um, of just work, it, the hours were starting to really wear on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mornings are a weird day part because oh. um, it used to be if you were big shit in TV, you work the night shift, mm-hmm. right? Because the highest rated newscasts were the evening shows and mm-hmm. usually the 11 o'clock news. That's never been the case out in the desert. The highest rated newscasts uh, are the afternoon shows here, the mm-hmm. five and the six. Mm-hmm. Nobody's up at 11 o'clock. Yeah. But the one day part across America where audience is growing is mornings. Mm-hmm. And the thing about mornings is when you get someone who's somewhat inexperienced and you put them on in mornings where they're on every 10 minutes for two hours, it forces you to get good quickly real quick because you don't have time to make mistakes Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that's why i was it's just like you know what it's sink or swim Mm -hmm. but you swam yeah i mean and i I did all right i mean he always gives me the credit and i'll take it but i mean that was still Mm -hmm. you know that was um pretty life-changing look i always say you know you always give me too much credit you're like i gave I, i gave you your chance but you earned your seat at the table i mean i couldn't have hired you if you were good. Yeah, but you know? yeah, but so. you. I, all right, we can fight about this later. But like, you lined everything up for me, you know, and you took a chance on me, and you encouraged me, and those three things for me are kind of like you almost gave it to me. You, you know, you set me up for success. Well, you brought great energy though to the table. I think because I used to watch that station prior to you coming, and you you brought a completely different aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So it was nice, and the rapport between like you and your anchors and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, like you guys were fun. It was yeah. fun to watch. It was fun yes. to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm, I'm not the host. Was, am, okay. I giving, am I answering things right? Or are they yes. Too I'll long? redirect you if you're no. You're fine. Yeah, you're good. Redirect me. Make sure. I'm watching the clock here. I just want. I think it's important for people to who who think they know you to hear the whole backstory about how you got to be who yeah. they now know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, it's interesting to be the topic, and so it's also interesting to talk to two people who know the majority of this already. And thank you because you're filling in the blanks for me. Yeah. All right. Let's roll. Okay. You had some questions related to the childhood. Now we can go back. Now I think we've let, set the table. Set the table. There you go. Um, okay. So you did mention that you had some good parts and some bad parts in your childhood. So um, elaborate on that. Like overall, um, happy, sad, good, bad, easy, hard. Interesting. What are you thinking? Good, bad, 
Happy Saturday. Well, so for just a second, I guess, start out with what was your family upbringing dynamics? Like who was in your home? What was your economic situation? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was myself, you and my mom. Um, I grew up thinking that I had everything, right? Everything was okay until I realized what uh, what my peers had and I didn't. Um, But I still felt like we never really wanted for anything. It was, again, myself, my sister, and my mom. She's six years my senior. Uh, I feel like I had a lot of freedom as a kid, even very young, right? Um, I remember I used to eat gum off of cement, right? I used to go around and I remember once I... um, as a, as a very young kid, obviously. Um, I remember once, and I have vivid memories of this, I found a stick and I carved my name into a car, right? Into a neighbor's truck. Into a neighbor's truck. I remember hitchhiking um, with my friends and actually an old couple being worried and pulled over and got in trouble. So, um, yeah. How old were you when you were doing this? Uh, maybe between the ages of like six and eight, five and five and eight. If I yeah. saw a five or an eight-year-old hitchhiking, I would pull over too. Well, we lived off of a really big, long, busy, busy street, well, and so it was. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember. You know, I actually also remember meeting. Now this just came back to me. Do you remember? Um, there was a man that lived in our complex, and he wanted to take me to the San Francisco 49ers game, and I actually went with him. I do not recall yeah, that. Yeah, and we stayed at like. The Waldorf, and he had a pay. He had a pay. He had a half a leg. Yep. Weird. I wish mom was here to be able to see. And my mom let me do things like that. Um, also, there was another woman that lived in our um, complex. Who remember she took us to the zoo and she kind of adopted us. My mom was big in charity, giving and also receiving it. But yeah. Um, so I do remember her. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to jump into some bad though. I remember, you know, mom, my mom had a lot of depression issues. She was, uh, she always reminded us, she would go like this and show us the scar from when her mom hit her with a frying pan. So she was constantly telling us how good we had it. I remember she was abusive physically and emotionally. I think that still, I feel like in hindsight, I had it better than most. I feel like I understood my mom a little bit, um, because she bitched so much about her own childhood that I understood why she had this contained or not contained rage and depression um so yeah there but i remember also some you know i'm going to include one more bad thing in runner park excuse me in davis which moved us to sonoma county was and i don't think you remember this but i was in the hot tub again six or seven years i must have been seven uh in the complex and this man must have been in his 50s 60s and he called me a nigger and held me underwater I do remember that. Yeah, and I remember like... I, Which I think you were a little bit younger. I might have been a little... Okay. Well, yeah. I remember certain things prompted my mom to want to move us from Davis to where, she, to, to where she was closer to family. Her brother Bruce lived in Santa Rosa. That's really what it was, right? To be closer to them. Um, well, when I went to Florida and you went to go live with Aunt Karen... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, that's right. She had the mental breakdown. Right. And so we kind of went our separate ways... And then when she, um, like, pulled herself back together, uh-huh. um, and I came back from Florida, she had only been renting that, um, she rented two rooms in that house from Earl uh-huh. in Rona Park. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been there for four days when I came back. And so you had been in Santa Rosa with... Um, no, I was in Richmond. Richmond, okay. I remember that. So maybe she, she went to Diane's house. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're right. We did go to Santa Rosa. 
you, I think you guys were with Diane for a little while. Correct. And then she rented the rooms in Runner Park. Right. Cause which we were, they're only like 10 miles apart. Right. We were in Santa Rosa and then somebody in that house, tried, who was 19 at the time, tried to crawl in bed with my mom. That's why we left. And I remember wow. this same person. I remember when I was very young, I think I was seven or eight, and he, I remember he was watching um, Super Dave on HBO. And I was in the living room and he goes, do you know what head is? And I was like, no. And he's like, I'm going to show you. Right? I did nothing happened. Didn't happen. But I remember it vividly. So mm. that's what moved us. Because we were living with friends, my mom's friends. That's what moved us to Santa Rosa, Rotor Park where she rented two rooms. You're right. This is all coming back to me. Prior to that, I was lived for six months in Richmond. I went from a very all-white area to a very all-black area. And um, I remember the teacher telling me that I was a um, menace. Brian Gallio, you're a menace. There was, uh, it was an awful, awful experience for me. And then moved to Rotary Park, where we lived on Sequoia Street. You got with Danny. Danny lived, Danny was Earl's son. Mm-hmm. We lived there for, what, maybe a year? Not even. Yeah, maybe about a year. Perhaps about a year. And then she moved to Joanne Court. Gotcha. Where, yeah. And so I might have been, what, nine? Yeah, 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 because I was eight when I moved there, so third Probably. grade, so into fourth That's grade. That's when you did your little, um, the kids out in the front did a little musical, mm-hmm. and you were Prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. You're hilarious. I actually chose to forget about that until she started, right when you said that's when you, I knew you were going there. It was, I still have vivid memories. It was, there was a big group of kids, and everybody like put on a little concert. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I, it was Prince for me, but I remember wearing makeup and I remember taking it very seriously. And I'm serious. And I remember that's when I fell in love with like, enter, like the idea of entertaining, you know? Okay, go ahead. How am I doing? You're doing good so far. All right. Um, okay. So tell us about your education. Um, or lack thereof, right? I like this question. So um, grew up again in Roner Park. Uh, Went into high school. I uh, Sophomore year, I was moved to a continuation school, which was called El Camino, which was kind of for the F-ups. Um, and then uh, that's where I remained for another year, and then uh, school didn't work out for me. So I essentially was, I, I dropped out, right? Um, and I found other means of, um, or other ways to uh, fill my time. And then I started working at a young age, but yeah. When I moved to L.A., then I started studying theater, and I moved over, studied at Lee Strasberg briefly, went to the acting center, studied with a guy named um, Jeffrey Marcus. So that's when I started taking that side of things seriously. But as far as an actual education, I'm not accredited. I don't have a diploma. I don't have a GED. Um, yeah, it's just me. Rocky, go lay down. Okay, so where? So you entered into a long-term relationship uh-huh. around that time, right? I entered, you said? Mm-hmm. I did. So at 17, I had, um, we had fake IDs, obviously. A lot of us did. Maybe that's not obvious. But yeah, I met <clears throat> my second boyfriend, my first real boyfriend, in a bar in Santa Rosa when I was 17. And he was 34. And we remained together for essentially 23 years. Right. Um, and again, so in the beginning of that, we did spend some time living together. He, had, he has two daughters. Um, so uh, spent some time living together and then moved to L.A. back and forth, but always in each other's lives as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I answer that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that okay. sounds good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll stop asking if I'm doing this right. Go ahead. You're funny. Um, 
what uh what is your view on religion god uh like now and as opposed to like your upbringing mm -hmm. has has that changed that's interesting i think that it has changed um growing up i remember my mom was uh i guess open would be the word she at one point was uh christian she then she was studied buddhism she was a baha'i um so maybe she had studied other things that I wasn't aware of. Uh, so I was I was raised not really understanding uh, any one specific religion. Maybe that they all kind of equally uh, serve the same purpose, obviously. Um, but I feel like when I growing up, I remember my friend Gabe's dad. Like I always had people that were coming at me the wrong way with religion, so it never appealed to me, right? Um, but as I got older and I understood a little bit about like spirituality. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, I think that for me, I'm in, as this, as I go into this next phase, I'm understanding that my spirituality and, and, and the idea of God are now kind of re being revisited. Cause I think that for me, like, as far as the Bible is concerned, I had ruled out, um, a lot of what I would call like the myths or the fairy tales that a lot of people talk about. Um, so that for me, um, kind of already turned me off to the idea of religion just because of those attributes of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, tell us about your hobbies. Hobbies that you have and maybe hobbies that you might want to start. Well, you know, dancing's always going to be my my favorite hobby. I don't know if traveling is a hobby, right? Um, but cooking has been my newest hobby, as you both know. Cooking and baking. That's something I really, really enjoy doing. Um, at one point, walking on my treadmill felt like a hobby. Um, but let's be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lazy, right? So, um, what are, what are, do I have any, I think that's it. Yeah. Music overarchingly, but. Is that, yeah, I love, I mean, I live for music. Mm -hmm. That's actually, I'll tell you this much. I'm going to ask you guys to hold me to this. One of my soon to be hobbies is making music. I want to take a stab at like making music. That's all. Like. Like producing beats. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Producing beats. Yeah. Okay. Like house music and like. Beats, danceable beats. You hear them, they get me out of my seat. I'm like, I can do that. Why can't I make those? That's all. All right. So yeah, my hobbies. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you did touch a little bit um, on your love life in your past. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your love life like now? Wow, that's tough. Um, I feel like I need to be careful with this answer, but I, I got to be honest and vulnerable. It's confusing, you know? Part of me is in, is like... Um, I want to continue to explore being single. I was, I was kind of tethered to somebody for so long. Um, so I'm loving me, right? I went through a lot of therapy. I did some, you know, other modes of therapy that worked really well for me. It brought me to a good place and I, I was enjoying being in that space. And I remember dating somebody before the person I'm dating now. And there was a moment where, um, I got angry and all that anxiety rushed back. And I was like, you know what? It's too soon for me to be feeling this feeling again. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I had spent so much time with my ex feeling that feeling. I was like, oh, I've finally been released of it and now here that feeling is again. So luckily with the person I'm seeing now, I don't get that feeling often with him, which is why I think we're well suited. But I don't know, you know, um, that's a tough question to answer. What was it? What, what is my what is my love life now? Yeah. Yeah. I have a strong feeling for somebody, you know, it's I'm hopeful, also doubtful. <laughs> Sorry. I think you just described every relationship out there. Right. 
Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Right? Yeah. No, you're right. That really is the truth. Because even the best relationships are, you still going to question them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and the other thing In the I back learned, of your mind, always. Child. And the other thing I learned, too, is that, you know, at, at the drop of a hat, you know, something can change. You know, things change quite quickly. Um, so funny. I asked her a few weeks ago. I was like, why did you let me stay with that fool for so long? And she actually thought it was more rhetorical, but she gave me a real answer. Um, okay, go ahead. Uh, what about your favorite food, color, movie, song? Oh, you're cute. Some basics. Oh, uh, you're cute. Um, Lost One by Jasmine Sullivan is my favorite song right now. Or Ego Death uh, with Kanye's and FKA Twigs and um, Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, my favorite color is going to be probably what I'm wearing now, some, some form of blue. And then my favorite food is going to be like a, pizza, like a pizza from Round Table or like... Um, yeah, or something super Mediterranean y, you know, with super tzatziki and, you know, yeah. I was going to say, because um, I, I think, again, maybe tooth. going back to your hobbies, I think fashion is a hobby. Oh. Fa- you know, it's so funny. I've, I've, like, I get it. I used to love fashion. I still do, but I've slacked. Like, I'll wear the same pants, like, for, like, <laughs> X amount of days in a row. I do shower and change my underwear, but, um, I do live for fashion. I mean, I can call fashion out from across the room. Most of the time, I tend to usually impress women with my fashion knowledge. Um, and that's, fashion's very important to me. I love, from like 80s guest jeans to like, you know, Maison Margiela, like couture, like, you know, I'm learning more about Walmart and Target, you know, like Look you name it. Look how excited he is. It's, I love it all. You know, I'm starting to really embrace even like knockoff stuff is like, you know, it's like, it's just, it, I love fashion. Especially like like really like like Tokyo, like crazy, like colorful, like what the hell are you doing fashion? Okay, go ahead. That's funny. Are you guys bored? How are, we do- how are you guys no, doing? Think- How's some of your coffee? How are you doing? Yeah, Is I'm going- good. I'm good. You, you sure? keep going. Yeah. I we got 30 more minutes. Um, so I was going to then ask like your favorite store or designer. And I, I oh. in my mind, I want to, I want to throw out there if I know you well enough. Um, Zara? You better get, wow, that's pretty impressive. As far as my budget, that is my favorite store. <laughs> if that's I the one I hear you most excited about. Yeah, if I had, you know, that different, that old life, or if I had, um, you know, had, you know, made the money that I really wanted, it would be probably be like more of a Neiman's or a Saks. But yeah, I love Zara. Zara's amazing. You yeah. know, I get to Zara, get with it. Spanish brand. And yeah, go ahead. I live for Zara. Awesome. Um... Do you have any regrets? I, I, I think you slightly touched on this, mm-hmm. um, but do you have any regrets, things that you... Hold on. When are you going to ask some questions? Let's I'm just letting, No, no. I'm just letting her go. Are you to, sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sister. I'm sorry. That's okay. I hate being interrupted. You told me I did that because you're family. Things that you haven't done that you regret that you haven't done or things that you have done that you regret doing. Most definitely. You know, I think that my biggest regret in life was that I did not take the career that I wanted seriously uh, when I was in my 20s. I really, really wanted to be a dancer and take that as far as I could. And um, for a number of reasons, it just didn't happen. I think the main reason it didn't happen is because I, um, I, did, I want to say I didn't believe in myself, but my confidence wasn't where it needed to be. I, obviously, I think I possessed the talent. I just, um, I let everybody, everything intimidate me. I was like, oh, I can't do that. There's no way. There's no way I can do that. And I remember going to auditions and just being, uh, just gutted, just so nervous, that barely, like barely could get out of the car. You know? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a different dance style. I still do. It's. I think that it's uh, 
obviously it's gotten me to where I have been and was, and, uh, but it was nerve wracking, you know? Uh, on that note, let me ask you a different question, thinking Please. about if, um, if things in your life had gone a different way back then. So you're kind of a partier. I, I know you. I mean, you know, and we kind of grew up like with a partier mom and that lifestyle. Um, do you think that at all held you back? Oh, yeah. I, it's funny that I felt like you stumbled with that one. And yeah, most, most definitely. The fact that alcohol, I liked drinking, I, dancing, nightclubbing, drinking, my friends being social, all came packaged together. And I was so addicted to my friends. I was so addicted to my friends that like I, the idea of leaving them, forget clubbing or drinking or, or you know, dancing, the idea of leaving that to go be focused on something, I wasn't ready for. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the answer is yes, I was addicted to partying, very much so. Um, yeah, and that was my biggest distraction, 100%. It's funny too, because I gotta be honest, I used my mom's death as an excuse and I shouldn't do that. You know, mom died at 24, and I was like, oh, well, you know, my mom died, and then I got distracted. You know, I was already partying before that. I was already fully in the clubs and fully, you know, invested in doing that, out battling, going to the catch one and battling people on the dance floor and going to the factory and going to the circus and all that nonsense, you know. So, yeah, alcohol. Um, I was more, more, not so much drugs, alcohol, but, um, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so, do you have a bucket list? Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah, uh, learning Spanish, learning French. Um, the travel bucket list is infinite. Um, well, I don't know about infinite, obviously, but you know it's a long one. Um, working out more, taking my health serious. Well, that's actually not bucket list. Um, making music, as I mentioned, I want to try to write music. That would be really cool. Bucket list, bucket list, bucket list, bucket list. I want kids. Does that count? Sure. Yeah, either through foster or adoption or through the real deal. I would love to have kids. That's definitely on my bucket list. Um, bucket list. Let's top them in. Why do you want kids? <clears throat> because I feel like there. Because I feel like you're supposed to get. Because I feel like it's part of the full experience of this thing called life, right? Um, huh. Period. Right. I feel like, and I'm going to use this. This is a, uh, probably an awful analogy, but even like with in, in the gay gay sex, like there's different ways you can do things. And I only do things a certain way, but it's like sometimes I feel like I could do things always because I'm feeling like I'm missing out on everything. I know it's an awful analogy, but I feel like having kids, being a parent, watching birth, seeing a mini you, all that is, 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 seems like such a slice of the human experience that everybody could have a piece of. Um, and I, like I'm talking 25% of the pie. That's, what I, that's how important it is to me as far as how I view it. So I've all, I knew I wanted kids since I was a kid, you know? Yeah. So you're how old now? I just turned 31 last mm. August. I'm 43. Okay, so you're 43 and you want kids. Mm -hmm. So my question is, um, you know, the clock's ticking. Yeah. Are you are you going to pursue that? I mean, I mean, you said that's a 25 percent mm -hmm. want. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of a big that's a big number. Yeah. You know, the the hourglass is moving, right? The clock is ticking, as you said. I think that in reality, when we think about things like this, we want to be positioned to be able to do it. I'm obviously have a few things against me, right? Such as a woman, such as, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not straight. I don't have, you know, but um, 
The answer is most definitely. And, I, yeah. and I have, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned. I'll use Walter Lacey as an example, which is so random. Wow. But like, right? But he was, a, uh, he, what, he was fathering young children well into his 70s or 80s, right? I don't want to have a slew of kids, but I'm not going to use my age as something that's going to um, hinder or uh, be a roadblock for me to be able to have, have that experience, you know, forever young, you know, and period. I mean, I think, again, it's really about making your own experience. I'm, I don't want to look to other people and say, well, you know, I'm too old now. I won't be able to do that. I might not be able to hop on water slides with my kids or be able to get out there and do some of the things that a young parent can do. But I could still be able to be a beautiful influence to somebody and be able to have that experience, you know, better that than something, please. And better that than some other parents. We, we all know that. That's true. And uh, you think I'd be a good parent? I, I think you would be a good parent. I think like right now, something we haven't touched on is how involved you are in big brothers and big sisters. Yeah. You are a good big brother. I, yeah, Josh, I try to be. Yeah. I, they moved. I need to go see him. I am a big, good big brother, though. I love that kid, and I love his family, and we have genuine love for each other, and we, we exchange gifts on holidays, and we talk as often as we can, and that kid's family to me. Very good. Yeah. So um, how how does the your current love life person feel about the the child thing and how seriously are you going to take this that's you know again i think when we get distracted with life it's like sometimes you have to have, put thought into this stuff and be present with it a lot of the times i'm distracted with other things so the answer is you know that's a tough question um i have spoke to him about it early in our dating experience and um He's open to it. I don't think he's nearly as uh, views it the way I do, which is a problem for me because you know you want your partners, you want your partner to be able to have the same views and you know, as, as far as how life works. But I do think that he's open to it. Um, I don't think he'd be ideal for it, you know, um, mm -hmm. at least not right now in his life. Um, but yeah, you know, I had an, in an instance maybe about three years ago where a lesbian couple asked if I would, you know, be a sperm donor, and I told them I I'm definitely open to it. But they didn't want me to have any um, any position or any you know connection with the kid. So I was like, well, that's not going to work for me. So yeah, I got to take it however I can get it if it happens. You know, if I get you know if I hit a home run and get a really nice job and I get myself positioned and I get all my my four hundred one k situated and I'm owning property and I can you know maybe just there are some people that can do it on their own. I don't know if that's me. Maybe with the help of my lovely sister and my bestie and you know kind of get a little bit of a team together. But you know, there's a zillion ways of getting it done. So I'm not ruling it out, nor am I ruling it out with him. I just don't know. Time will tell. That sounds exciting. Thank you. Um, the only other question that I have written down, which I was kind of a joke, was uh, who's your favorite sibling? Oh, well, duh. The one on my left. Sorry, guys. I tell all my siblings they're my favorite ones. Here. But oh, no, that's I funny. Mean, you know, I think my new siblings, I met my father for the first time in 2012. I guess that's something that should be mentioned. We're almost dead. Look at you. You all right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a, a Rocky make you some coffee. Um, I met him in 2012 and I gained three new siblings and as much love as I have for them. You know, you're, you're still, you and I have, like, you were there as a kid. Like, I have, you know. So, yeah, you baby girl. That's sweet. Mm -hmm. I miss Pops. Do you? I do. Yeah, I miss him too. It's the parts of him. <laughs> Here's a handful. So, what, what was it like growing up without having a dad on that note? Let's say that you met your dad for the first time in 2012. Describe that real quick. And what was it like not growing up without a dad? You already said that your childhood was relatively good and you didn't mm -hmm. grow up for lack of wanting. Uh, and now that people hear that you didn't meet your dad until 2012, that yeah. might leave a big void. Yeah. Um, you know, 
again, going back to my childhood, I think I was very fortunate. I think I was raised in the best place on the planet, which is Sonoma County. I truly believe that, um, especially for a mixed, mixed race, effeminate kid. I, we got lucky. Um, but I never had a sense of feeling like there was something missing, which I still don't know how, I guess that's part of the experience. I think that for my brother, for instance, um, he had my father till he was seven, right? So he's got some obvious resentments because he knew him and then he had disappeared. I didn't have any, there was no benchmark. I had nothing to compare it to. So I, you know, I was fine. I think that I had moments, I had glimmer, glimpses of jealousy. My friend, Brian Moncher, I was always jealous of him and his, like I was jealous if he had a dad and who his dad, his dad was a sheriff with a big handlebar mustache. He was super hot. Sorry. Um, and like, so I was, all of that was confusing to me, but I was, but what was really sad is I built, no offense, dude. I like, I know they had a very bad relationship as far as him being the son, him being the father. So in some respects, I, I just felt lucky I didn't have a dad because a lot of the men around me that I saw position themselves in a weird way and harbored a lot of anger. People like Kwasi's dad on the flip side, though, were very different. And I had a lot of positive influence in my life. But I never felt like I was missing anything, you know? No, I just had moments of jealousy sometimes uh, when kids got new Nintendos or, you know. Um, but meeting my father, that's a different animal. That's a different podcast because, you know, I didn't really have expectations. Um, I think I had felt comfortable enough in my own skin. So where I met him, I felt like I was a man and I, and I didn't ha I had no, nothing in the past uh, holding me down. I had no baggage regarding him. I just didn't. Why would I? I mean, right? Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, we had, we started to have a beautiful relationship and I love him to death. He's a great guy and we're so much alike and we look alike and I'm so glad I've met him and I know him because meeting him and like seeing his mannerisms, I'm like, holy crap, like this is weird. That's that's a nature versus yeah. nurture thing, yeah. See, but you're adopted. You'll, you've never experienced that. <clears throat> well, on your mom's side a little bit. You've, seen, you've got your mom's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first time I ever laid eyes on her, I didn't realize up until that moment that I had never looked at someone or been with someone who was genetically related to me. Wow. Never even crossed my mind mm -hmm. because my parents were my parents. Mm -hmm. Was there I, a feeling attached to it? No. Right, I would imagine. It was really weird. And, and a lot of people ask me the same thing that you just mentioned about. I had no point of reference. Like People, people would all the time say to me, oh, you're adopted. Do you miss your family? How can you miss what you don't know? Right. Right? I mean, I, 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 I didn't lack anything. I had wonderful parents, and they were my parents. Mm -hmm. But when I met my biological mother, and I sat there across the table from her, looking at her and realizing, oh, my God. You would take her nose off her face and put it wow. on. Her. I mean, I mean, and that is the first time that I had ever laid eyes on someone that I was genetically related to. That was a big moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Do, let me. Do you remember the feeling that was attached to that? Did it, like, uh, yeah, I was. It was a novelty. Like I didn't, I didn't seek out to find her because I felt like something was missing. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. I, but I also was very clear in my head that I had a rich life. I, I, I had parents. I had, I was a full adult. I was in my mid-30s when I met her. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want anything. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know who she was. That was it. Yeah. You know? Which is important. And I think that um, I have a friend, actually, um, and we talked a little bit about the, this on the podcast. It'll air after this. But she's positioned the same way, and she's got she's nervous to reach out to this mother that, she, that put her up for adoption. 
Yeah. And I keep encouraging her. I'm like, come on, like you got to do this, right? You got to follow this through. Yeah, you do. I remember warning you because you wanted to, I helped you find Oh, yeah, by the way, duh. This guy's changed my life in so many ways. It's <laughs> countless. But that was actually the first thing that really, that's one of the biggest things you had done for me as far as changing my life. Yeah. yeah you, he found my Aunt Velveteen. Yeah. Oh, fine. Yeah, but that but I worked in news. That's right. what we did. We found Lexus Nexus. So, yeah, I used Lexus Nexus, and I oh, found her. And yeah, we gotta let say that everyone uses Lexus Nexus in media. <laughs> yeah, no, I found I found your aunt in ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then I think we found your dad. I said, I think this is your dad. Well, you I know, it was crazy. Sure. It wasn't my dad. It was my uncle Albert. And yeah. what did you think my dad's name was growing up? Albert, right? I, I know mom said Al, and so she was either um, Alan or Albert. Albert Gallio is her mom's, her dad's name. Are you sure? Okay, we'll figure, we'll get back to you. Um, There's and, some confusion. We'll get back to you. I think you might be right, but but in the, it, still going back to that is I always was under the impression that my dad's name was Albert, and then what's funny is there his brother's name is Albert. So we so, found him. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my god, look at look at Uncle Albert. And so then, now <laughs> having met him. And yeah. you're now you're eight years out from having met yeah. him ish, yeah. eight ish. Yeah. Um, what did it meet your expectations? Did it exceeded them. Mm-hmm. Hands down, it exceeded them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will tell you this much: it's hard to have expectations, right, of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did expect that we would hit it off and that we would have a relationship and that he would be a loving person, but I didn't know on such magnitude, and I didn't realize that we would. We're very similar in the way we love people and the way we deal with people. I shouldn't say deal, but the way we have our the way we deal with our friendships and relationships, right? Very, we're always on the phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we just, there's countless ways of our similarities in that regard. So, um, what was your question? No, just, <laughs> was it a positive yeah, thing? Yeah, it was dope. It was dope. It was cool. so I, I think it was dope on so many levels. So, you mentioned, you touched on this a couple of times, but let's, let's talk about, so, you're black, right? <laughs> Sorry. Last time I checked. Yep. Okay, you're black. Uh-huh. Right? I have a brown. Mocha chocolate yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and you're also gay. I am. Okay, so that, to me, as a white guy who's also gay, mm-hmm. um, it was hard enough for me to come to terms with my own sexuality. Mm-hmm. How was that for you, and what are the dynamics of being a minority already, and now you're a minority in a minority. The dynamics. See, it's interesting to answer these questions because, as you were saying earlier, it's it's hard to assess when you're on the inside of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you this much. As far as the, my coming out process and kind of what happened and how it all came together and how I felt about it and how it changed me, my our mother was one of the first AIDS educators in the 80s in the Bay Area, back when it was called GRID, right? So uh, she was all she was very open. Um, we were, we lived in a very liberal area, right? So I already had these kind of, um, these, I, these, these things laying out for me in, in the best way possible, right? Um, I had some friends of mine from, uh, elementary to junior high school. And that's when we started experimenting with, with, with kids or with each other. And I remember one person in specific who I started experimenting with and at 13, he called me and he said, you know, the reason that we do the things that we do is because we are gay. And I remember having, I don't know if you remember Johnny with the blonde hair back in uh, Davis, but I remember five, Jed also. I remember a lot of the kids in my, when I was younger, I was attracted to them and I would physically, I would, I would, I would move on them, right? Times they would let me, sometimes they wouldn't. That's a different conversation. Um, I don't know, whatever. It's too late now. Um, 
but he was part of a, a group called Positive Images, which was a gay youth group in Santa Rosa. And so at 13, I started going to this weekly group and I started understanding that I was, I was not different, um, that it was okay to be who I was. Um, and then as far as the black affect, right, as far as that coming into play, you know, I, people aren't bold enough to, I'm a six foot three, I'm confident, I stand straight. You know, I, people aren't bold enough to really call me out, right? I've never really had to be challenged on my sexuality, nor my race, for the most part. I think, I, I don't want to use the word skate, you know? Um, I know for my father, and I look at the experience of my brother, and all, I can't speak for them, but I know that they've had different experiences being black men. So for me, mine has always been... Uh, Okay, I also think being mixed race, I've been, I've got the melanin for, I forget what um, uh, Paul Mooney says, but I, it's easier for me than it is Kwasi, he's not gay, but it's easier for me than it is George Fuller. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's darker than me, I have a different experience. But, but the dynamic of it, I love it. Like, I swear, and I, I say this to myself so often, the, I love me being me because it, because you, you, you come, it, I'm already coming with a natural challenge, right? I'm already forced to have to flex and, and get inside of myself a little more at a young age to deal with the fact that I'm so different, right? So does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So as I got older, I, I, in some regards, I was more confident. I was just, I was fine. Now, obviously, as we talked about with dance, I wasn't. As <clears throat> so you, you kind of, we've talked about this a little bit. You, you move about in the world the way we all do, right? We all, we all have a certain way, place where we're comfortable, you know, sort of, sort of our sweet spot, who we are, our character, right? How you, whom, with whom you are most comfortable. Mm -hmm. who, with whom are you most comfortable? Where is, your, where is the Brian Gallo sweet spot? When are you, what people are you with or what circumstances are you with when you feel like you are at your most authentic and comfortable? Well, that, that's a tough question. I think <clears throat> I have an answer. And I think that my answer is gonna come from a place of like, um, we talked about this the other day, of who I am and who I think I am, or who I am or who I want to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, wow, this is, I, this is a tough one. I like to be around more sophisticated people. Um, I, using Red, White, and Blues as an example, I really enjoyed being around my peers who were also um, very savvy in being able to delve inside themselves, take risks, may it be... Um, uh, Career-wise, relationship-wise, I like to be around people like that, right? That's kind of my group. Um, now, is that because I think I am that or because I want to be that? I don't know. I feel challenged in those settings. You know what I mean? Either that or obviously with my family and friends. You know what I mean? My friends come in very different different flavors, right? Like you and Aaron Cortez are so different night and day. I mean, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, So I don't hang with like just a gay group, right? I've got the tapestry of my friends, wouldn't you agree? It's just mm -hmm. all over the board. Um, so I couldn't really reduce it to my friend group because mm -hmm. they necessarily don't have anything in common, right? Mm -hmm. Did I answer that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so. All right. Um, so you also you had written down some buzzwords here that you that you thought we could talk, touch yeah. on, and one of them that you wrote down that I want to hear your explanation for why you wrote it down is depression. Mm. Well. I recently came out of a little bit of depression, which I, you know, had a moment with you. And um, I think that depression is something that a lot of people, that we all deal with. And I think that it's something that is not acknowledged the way it needs to be. I think that we look at it as something that we have to take a pill or we have to figure out a way to remedy it. For me, I, um, as much work as I've done on myself, as positive as I always want to be, you know, I, I have thoughts of being like, um, you know, like a motivational speaker, like all those things. The reality is I deal with depression and I think I just wanted to touch on that because I think that 
everybody does no one's no one's exempt from it even the happiest people on the planet get depressed and so yeah it's just something that i think that um i wanted people to know that it's something that i deal with um and uh my mom was clinically diagnosed with depression i don't think i'm that but yeah you know it's something that we don't talk about it's something that we don't acknowledge i'm so grateful to for you grateful for you but i can cry to you you know i don't have a lot of people like that i feel comfortable with and so depression is just um i just smart to talk about because you got to face you kind of things face the devil and look the devil in the eyes right so that's mm -hmm. why i wrote that down do you feel that you um you struggle with depression still or is it something that you feel that you um have a better handle on i like that question i think that for me depression i had two bouts of depression that were insurmountable one was mom's death and the other was you know separating from our leaving my ex right the, the breakup so situational depression is different and that situational depression for me, the last one was really, it paralyzed me for a little while, it had me a little confused. Um, but um, thank God that I went through again therapy to be able to kind of to try to fast forward the mourning process, right? Um, but now, you know, I think for me, it's not situational. I have moments where I get depressed, period. I think that for me, it might come once or twice a year. This past one, I think, was a bit of a mix. I think it was it was my time plus. I just was in a moment of um, just feeling a little hopeless. You know, we're in COVID. I'm not working. <clears throat> so speaking of COVID, um, how how has this past year affected you and or changed you? Well, I think it's changed me in the way that it has the universe. I think this obviously happened for a reason. I think it's, it's, um, it's made me... Uh, you know, slow down a little bit. I think that I've always been um, told that, it's, that it, you know, you hear the word lazy, right? And you think, okay, there's the guilt attached to being lazy. I think for me, I've learned that it's okay for me to, to not do things and I don't have to feel bad about it. Um, and I think what else have I learned? To wash my hands, obviously, a lot more. Um, you know, to, the cleanliness is important. I know that sounds crazy. Um, and I've learned that... Um, you have to be looking out for each other and the importance of friends, right? Like I moved, like I was living on my own right before COVID. This guy was living in LA between his two places. He's like, come stay with, come stay at the house. It, it, it works out, you know, we'll work it out later. And then COVID hit. And then he and I were here together and it was like, it was scary. Right. And it's like, like what's going to happen? Like it felt like the world was going to end. Right. <laughs> and so thank God I had him. Right. So my COVID experience has been about being appreciative, staying in a space of gratitude, trying to express my gratitude it's important and um taking it just kicking back dude like i don't need to be in the rat race i don't need to be trying to please everybody else with what i'm doing or what i'm driving just it's just slowing down getting out of the rat race i say that now but then you know who knows what will happen tomorrow go ahead mm -hmm. have you ha have you had covid how do you know people close to you like have, has anybody um really been affected by it and how do you feel about the vaccine I love these questions. You know, I, I'm scared to answer this because I know, again, this is controversial for a lot of people, but um, I still <laughs> I've yet to, I don't know anybody that's been really affected by COVID. I mean, I think that some people, like my cousin Sasha said she had coughed, and I know a couple people were like, oh, I had it, but I just had a headache. You know, like my Aunt Velveteen, I love you guys. And I know, you know, I, but I, I, as far as anybody that I know that's been, I've, know, I've known nobody that's really been sick from it. So, no. Have I contracted it? No. And as far as the vaccine, this goes before COVID vaccinations. This is a, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer this like you asked me about the flu vaccination. I'm going to hold off. I'm just, I'm just going to hold off. It's just what my gut tells me to do right now. Let some of the things calm down. And then yes, as I will re revisit this, this, this topic and I'm definitely going to get 
right? I'm going to have to get a vaccine, and I'm not scared of it. Um, but like a lot of things, I don't, I, I don't trust um, pharmaceuticals. I don't trust medicine. I think my mother died from that medical malpractice. I think it might be a genetic black thing. If a lot of people we've learned about black history lately, about how you know black folks were tested on, and again, some of that could be genetic trauma. Google that. For real. I feel you. It's real. So I'm just, I'm not in a rush to do it, you know? I respect everybody's decision, and I'm glad that a lot of people are doing it because it gives them the peace of mind um, that I feel like I almost already have, right? I'm just mindful about who I'm touching and what I'm doing and where I'm at otherwise, you know? So, yeah, I'm not in a rush to do it, you know? But I believe in it. I do believe in it. I do. And I know that sounds twisted. But, again, it just is my body. Like, I remember when I got a flu shot. And I, did, I was like, it, it hurt. And then a couple of days later, like, you're supposed to feel sick. But I was ill. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, this is supposed to protect me. And then three weeks later, I got sick again. Granted, it was one of those off years. And there's different strains of flu. But I just had a shitty experience with it. So as far as vaccinations and things, I haven't had the best experience. All right, we got a few more minutes. Come on. Okay, so aging. <clears throat> you're, so you're half. Okay, so let's just. Oh, my God, I found my first great pubic hair today. Oh, I did. Yeah. I think somebody online had posted it, and I was like, who posted that online? And then I know that's TMI for everybody that I said that, but I found my first today. Mm-hmm. How do I feel about it? Go ahead. Well, so, okay, you're 43, mm-hmm. so you're half of 86. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just going to lay. so quick with that. Well, yeah, I'm I, having. I, 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 I have to write that down. But I think it's interesting because I'm having. I think you and I are closer to the same age. You guys but, are the same age. Yes. Okay, so I'm pushing 50. So I'm really going through a midlife crisis. So I'm expl- interested in exploring other people. I just, I found myself being very reflective on, okay, I'm almost 50. I never thought I'd be this old. And then what do I think is coming? Like what's in the next, like I've been spending a lot of time looking back at 20 years. Yeah. And, and then looking, okay, so that amount of time now in front of me, I'll be uh-huh. 70. Uh-huh. What do I hope to accomplish? Yeah. Oh, okay. So wait, I have a, a really interesting answer for you. So I think when you look hindsight, we're looking in the rear view. Um, as times change and eras change, um, old people are, are seniors, or as we age, we are limited to certain things, or so you believe. So now in 2021, let me look at Betty White, for instance. I mean, look Ooh. at, you know, um, I mean, there's just, there is a, a, a mile-long list of women in, and men in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it, uh, what do you a centennial centenarian doing it? Yeah, doing it. So I so as far as that is concerned, um, I don't know what the future has for me. You know, one of my favorite things, and I learned this, um, and this isn't a prepared answer, but I learned this in my twenties, and I don't, I'm sure you guys have heard this, is that Colonel Sanders did not come up with his recipe until he was 63. Mm-hmm. So like ideas like that is like you, who it's oyster world, right? Like. It, who knows what the future has for me? You know, you look at a lot of actors, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've always loved theater and acting, and, you know, you look at people like Morgan Freeman. I don't know how long he's been working, but, you know, there's, we can do whatever we want for as long as we want, almost whatever we want, for as long as we want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I'm not too concerned. I think as far as aging, right, I hurt my back, uh, you know, the, the, the gray pube, I mean, things like that. I mean, I think that... Um, that can be the, the daunting part is what's my body going to do, right? But on the flip side, like what I'm gathering from, especially living out here, is that aging is, is a beautiful thing. And it's supposed to be embraced and it's supposed to be a big party. Everyone, you know, everyone's like, my 50s are great. My 60s are even better. You know, you keep hearing stuff like that. Like, That's what I hear. That's so, encouraging. Yeah. So if there were one thing 
I think we should finish with this. Love it. If there's one thing that you think that people don't know about you, that you or, or in a way in which you are misunderstood, okay. um, what would that thing be? Like, what is, what is the one thing that most people don't really know about Brian? You know, because I mean, everybody has their relationship with their friends, right? And so your relationship with your sister is different than your relationship with me is different than your relationship with George is different than your relationship with Allie. Mm -hmm. But if you could take all of us and say there's one thing that all of us don't really know about you or haven't thought to ask you or that you think people would find interesting, what would that, what would that Well, be? this feels cliche, but that I'm in, really insecure and that I am actually really reserved. I'm actually, I have a, a very shy side to me, and I feel like I fight it a lot in certain settings to be able to just do it. Do so what are some of those settings? Because I, I, I would say I feel like you're very outgoing and you're oftentimes the loudest voice in the room. And so would t tell me a setting in which you, you find yourself reserved. Well, you know, I think... That or shy. Like, I, that word, I don't think well, well i think this applies to everybody and maybe that maybe this is a generic answer maybe i'm wrong but i think even when you're especially when you're walking into spaces where you don't know people right i don't feel like that is when i am most boisterous now if we're having cocktails and we're in ibiza that's it or if i'm having cocktails because you don't drink but if we're doing that that's different well yeah if i'm in that element then yeah i'm not necessarily but even then i'm still reserved to a certain degree i'm not running around meeting people and trying to i disagree I'm, i know the show's not about me yeah. But no, I disagree. How many times have you and I been somewhere that you have never been and you're like, oh my gosh, I love this. And then you end up getting the person's phone number okay, right. and you're in Jacksonville visiting me going out on your own dates because you just met somebody you know what, you're or right. you're get stuck in Las Vegas when the plane is, you can't come back for whatever reason. I don't recall which one that is. But this lady that is older, you're like still keep in touch with her. You guys rented a car and you drove back to Palm Springs together. And you're like, come on, who else is coming? Yeah, I guess you're right. I, you're right. 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 I mean, it's weird because again, like I felt like those answers were so cliche. I might have to get back to you on that. Um, and again, maybe I'm, I, it's kind of how you view yourself. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's true. I think in those moments... I really am and can be. I think a lot of that is energy exchange and feeling comfortable. But I guess when I'm not feeling comfortable, I'm not the most gregarious. And I do have moments where um, I would rather be laying in the back a little bit, you know? I think if I'm in, it depends on the setting. If I'm in Vegas, I'm like, move, like, follow me, like, let me control what's going on. I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to certain situations. But what else? What were you guys talking about? Mm. I guess that I'm insecure, but we all are, right? I think everybody is, right? We all are. Yeah, but you do a really good job of hiding it. Well, do I? Well, good. You got to fake it till you make it. Okay. You know, I think I've mastered that. I learned that in my 20s. I'm like, is there anything? Or maybe in that regard, are you just not necessarily fearful? You're okay to put yourself out there? I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. One thing that you guys don't know about me is that... Um, no, because you know you you know you've known me. You, yeah, you, I'm an open book with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Okay, How I many say times one... have you quit smoking cigarettes? Anyway, moving on. So <laughs> I want to say one thing before we say goodbye, and that is that, you know, when I talk to my guests, there's always kind of, you know, a message of hope at the end. Or at least, you know, I try to include that. So mine would basically be to make sure that if you have relationships, make sure you're checking in on the people that as often and constant as you can. Make sure you love on the people that you love on. Make sure you tell them how grateful you are. I'm grateful for you. I'm really grateful for you. I'm thankful for the both of you and everybody else. And uh, that's my kind of... Um, my contribution to the conversation is make sure that you just you love it on people as much and as often as you can. Don't 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 cocoon. Um, how did, yeah, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Follow us. Follow me. Do your part. Podcast on obviously all social media platforms. If you want to be a guest, email me. And uh, again, thank you for uh, being patient through that little hiatus. A lot of you maybe didn't know I took a break, but I've got some amazing guests coming down the pipeline. Obviously, so love on yourselves and each other, and I'll see you soon. <laughs>